Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of Revisionist Grizzly, a podcast series under the Core 4 podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. Even though the season is suspended, we are still pumping out some great content, including the Greatest Grizzly Tournament run by the guys over the 3 and D podcast. So be sure you're voting on that for your input on the Greatest Grizzly of all time. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is the GBB site manager, our faithful leader, Joe Molinax. Joe, what's up? Uh, you mentioned Sean and Justin in the work they've done with the greatest Grizzly tournament. Uh, obviously, an unprecedented time in our country, much less uh, professional sports. And I'm, I'm really proud of the way the site has continued to put in the content. Um, you know, it's not easy to, to come up with these ideas, and, and it's not easy to put in work that you and someone and, and just others have been. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of the stuff we've done, and I'm proud of our site every day, whether the season's on or not. But in these times, it's good to have the opportunity to use our platform uh, to continue to bring fans and others, you know, stuff to check out every day, you know, because I know folks count on us for that. Uh, in the weeks ahead, we'll also be looking at the ways to help our community and, and do some stuff, uh, you know, with fundraisers and donations and things like that to try to help first responders and, and folks in the Memphis area. So uh, keep an eye out for that kind of stuff as, uh, you know, obviously uh, professional sports rightfully, in my opinion, uh, take a back seat to the problems that uh, we're facing with the right now. So it's been heartwarming to see that the work that it shows that people care about the site and care about uh, what we do over at grizzlybearblues.com. And the uh, site manager, you know, that's what you want. You want people that, that love it like you do. And, and I think that's a pretty good community there. Absolutely. And Joe, always thankful to be a part of this. And so for this edition of Revisionist Grizzly, I want to hit a subject that holds near and dear to your heart. And that is the uh, 2014. Oh, I know you are. This what this what good content's all about. You got to find what really just you know kind of grinds your gears sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think this is one of those things that uh, you know I tweeted about it today. I'm recording this on a Monday night. I recorded I, I tweeted about it uh, in the in the greatest Grizzly tournament. It was Zach Randolph versus Rudy Gay, and of course Zach Randolph is beating the absolute hell out of Rudy Gay in that uh, pursuit. And I mentioned with Sean on the three and D podcast this week, uh, my gay and how wrong that was about that. There's still people to this day that point out and about that, you know, however long ago now it was eight or nine years ago, almost uh, that, that, that opinion was formed by me and people still pointed out all these years later. Um, so to the draft of 2014, I feel pretty comfortable pointing out that I was correct. Uh, it, now, granted, it's not for the reasons that I wanted it to be, um, in fairness to Jordan Adams, which we'll talk more about here in a moment, but I, 
I do believe that history or revisionist history has played itself out to the point that Jordan Adams was not the correct choice uh, in 2014. Just the way that we got there uh, is a little different than I would have anticipated. Absolutely. And so, as Joe had mentioned, in the 2014 NBA draft, they the Grizzlies drafted Jordan Adams with the 22nd pick. That was kind of a shaky decision at the time because he was relatively unknown. He was definitely an analytics pick, so we can definitely probably see that being a John Hollinger pick who was once in the Grizzlies front office. And right after was Rodney Hood, a guy that many in Grizz Nation wanted, as well as the coach at the time, Dave Yeager, wanted. So, Joe, just start off, why is this Rodney Hood, Jordan Adams debate such a big deal and it's something that you're still salty about today? Well, I personally thought it was a big deal at the time. And first off, just my own morbid curiosity, how old were you in 2014, Parker? Um, 17 going on 18. All right. So anyway, we'll leave that alone. And I, I think that when I was sitting there watching the draft and following it, and I saw that Rodney Hood was falling to the Grizzlies, what made me most excited was the fact that finally we're going to get a wing that was also big, that had a frame, played positions on the perimeter, even do a little bit of small ball forward stuff for the, the full-blown positionless basketball that you love so, to talk about so much. Uh, before that was fully a thing, it was starting to become a thing. And to me, Rodney Hood fit that. He had some facilitation skills. He definitely position on the perimeter. Uh, I liked the idea of Rodney Hood as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies because they already had Courtney Lee. They had Nick Kalathis on the roster at the time. They had other smaller guards. They didn't need Jordan Adams, in my opinion, kind of taking up another spot in an already crowded backcourt, whereas Rodney Hood could fit uh, many roles and wear many different hats for the Grizzlies as a shooter, as a defender, again, a facilitator. I think that he was a better option than Jordan Adams. You're exactly right about the analytical data and all that stuff, loving Jordan Adams, and that definitely points to the Hollinger side of things. And you're also correct to point out that this was an example of a rift in the front office between the coaching staff and that group because how, or, uh, Dave Yeager wanted Rodney Hood. And I believe even, I don't want to say the exact year because I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I want to say in recent years, like even when Dave Yeager was coaching the King, that he was no longer in Memphis, uh, he said he made like a mention of Rodney Hood and how salty he still was that the Christmas had not selected Rodney Hood uh, instead of Jordan Adams. I didn't see Jordan Adams as someone that filled a need. And I know that it's always dangerous to draft for need versus skill. I understand that argument. To me, both players were comparable in terms of their basketball ability. I didn't think Jordan Adams was a bad basketball player. I didn't think he fit the roster. And to me, when you have two guys that are comparable in terms of their overall ability, you take the guy that fits your roster even more than the guy who, even if you think he's a little bit better, doesn't fit the current makeup of what you're doing. So you got to remember the Grizzlies thought themselves to be title contenders at this point, or at least, you know, top eight to 10 team in the NBA contender, something breaks your way. Like they, like it did for the Western conference final run, you know, that happens again. And you make another run at uh, the championship. We were still very much at that stage of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, of grit and grind era. 
So I saw Rodney Hood as someone who could come in and contribute to that a little bit earlier than Jordan Adams. And it wasn't just Rodney Hood. It was Joe Harris. It was, you know, to a lesser extent, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't want to uh, crush him for Dinwiddie because he is a similar point guard kind of guy. He has a bigger frame. Uh, but Joe Harris, you know, there's multiple players. That you can go down the list of guys, uh, Kyle Anderson, that were drafted after uh, Jordan Adams it didn't even have to be Rodney Hood. And it's not to say that Rodney Hood was the savior, because I don't know that he would have made Memphis a true title contender. You know, one draft pick, you know, in the 22nd or 23rd overall selection probably isn't going to do that more often than not. But to me, Rodney Hood had the frame, the skill set. He had everything that really aligned with what the Grizzlies needed at that time. And he went with someone who, Theoretically speaking, be better in the long term, but that wasn't where the investment was for the Grizzlies at that stage, and that's probably why the head coach was so frustrated. He's trying to compete as much as he can, and he didn't see Jordan Adams as an athlete that was capable of doing that at that stage, at least early on, and it turned out that he was right. Yeah, I mean, and also, too, like injuries did play a major factor for Jordan Adams. He had sure. a very freaky knee injury that nobody's to this day, nobody still really knows the extent of it. It's a big enough extent to end his career abruptly, but still like he was like, it was one of those things that whenever he was on the court, he made something happen. I mean, you could see why they picked him where they did and injuries as well as Jaeger's favor for Ronnie hood, just kind of ruined his career. But again, you look at, you look at the situation with Jordan of what he brought to the floor. He just didn't check as many boxes as Rodney did for me. He was that player as a guard. He could be a combo guard forward. He didn't have the size of Hood, the frame, the wingspan. Well, again, Joe Harris would have been a better option. I mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. That's not a perfect comp, but that's somebody who was taken after him. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. You know, there, there's all sorts of different types of guys that – Theoretically speaking, and I think Clarkson's probably not sure, but he might be the same size or roughly the same as what Jordan Adams was. You make a great point about injury, and that's what I say in terms of the reason that Dave Yeager wound up being right had most to do with injury, and you don't want that to be the reason. You know, I say that as the guy that will always believe, and I, I'm pretty sure that you share this belief with me, Parker, that Chandler Parsons would have worked with the Grizzlies. Like, that would have worked if his knees hadn't given out on him. And obviously that did, and, and that is what it was. And, and, you know, history is history. Maybe that's another revisionist history topic for another day. Um, but at the same time, you have Jordan Adams, who has the knee issue and is never able to really overcome it. He also had a weird weight thing. Uh, he, he had like a body fat percentage that might have been in his contract, like an incentives or something like that. I, I don't uh, have that exactly known, obviously, but I believe there was something to, to Jordan Adams' build and weight. That was, that was uh, a concern at some point. So whatever the reason, Jordan Adams didn't work out. And obviously that comes down on another bad draft pick by Chris Wallace in that front office. But I do think it is important to point out, I wouldn't put an asterisk by it necessarily, because uh, I don't think it's quite as egregious as Parsons. But injury did have a major role in what Adams was able to do. The reason I think this is different is because you had a better option in Rodney Hood 
the better option when it comes to signing Chandler Parsons was uh, Evan Turner, essentially. And uh, I think, you know, again, you can look back and say you shouldn't have signed Parsons that contract. Uh, Evan Turner wasn't very good either. And, you know, Chandler Parsons was the best free agent to that point that the Grizzlies had ever signed. So uh, I do think the two situations are different. This is a spot where you could have had a better option. It was right there in front of you, and you decided to go with Jordan Adams because of what you thought he theoretically could be instead of what you had in Rodney Hood and you knew you had in Rodney Hood from the jump. And again, Rodney Hood was a guy who uh, has been a contributor in the NBA even as recently as this season, and Jordan Adams is out of the league. So it's kind of played itself out in that way as well. Right, and one thing I kind of want to look at with Rodney Hood is – I know he's kind of had a similar, I guess he's like the 20, late 2010s Jeff Green, where people are like, oh yeah, like Rodney Hood could be that piece. He's a 6'8 wing, that's a, has a smooth shooting stroke. He can put the ball on the floor. Because honestly, I thought he was going to be Utah's guy after Gordon Hayward left. And I think Donovan Mitchell's emergence kind of just destroyed any sort of, I guess, credibility or leverage that Ronnie Hood had in that Utah organization and just led to just kind of like his value declined, especially when he went from Cleveland and then from Cleveland to Portland. I just think his value has fallen a bit, but I do think he could have been something in Memphis, especially when you put him in that core four mix, especially when they're at the peak of their powers trying to win a championship. You place him around veterans that they've been there and they're also willing to help him get there. And I remember in those playoff runs when they were kind of lacking on perimeter scoring after they got rid of Rudy Gay and OJ Mayo, they were relying on like Quincy Pondexter and a 33-year-old Mike Miller. Even right. then, could a young Ronnie Hood, even in his first or second season, could he have been an upgrade over you know guys like Pondexter, Mike Miller, even like an older Vince Carter? Absolutely. Uh, maybe not older Vince Carter. I do think the last year of Vince Carter was pretty solid uh, in Memphis. But the first two years were not good. But people forget that. One was injury-based and one was just performance-based. I believe that Vince just wasn't very good until his last year uh, with the Grizzlies. But I do believe that Rodney Hood would have been better than Quincy Pondexter. I think Rodney Hood would have been better than Mike Miller. It's so funny you bring up Mike Miller. I remember being at a watch party. I think it was a Three Shades of Blue watch party. A shout-out to the the fall in three shades of blue um, mm-hmm. blog fan blog. Uh, but anyway, uh, I believe I was at a watch party for them. And I remember sitting and watching a, a game in Oklahoma city with Mike Miller. And you're hoping to God that Mike Miller catches he, a fire from three at the age of 33. You're exactly right. That's not an ideal situation. Uh, you know, Jordan Adams was supposed to be someone that could have helped, but it just didn't work out for the reasons we mentioned earlier. Rodney Hood would have been a better fit. Well, you bring up the Jeff Green idea because, A, that would explain why I love Rodney Hood so much uh, since I also uh, had an affinity for Jeff Green back in the day. But I do think it's important, at least on my end, I never saw the two as, uh, as the same. I always thought that Rodney Hood would be a role player type. I never saw him as an answer like I saw Jeff Green as an answer. And, again, that was another thing I was super wrong about. But I don't believe I ever perceived Rodney Hood in that way. I saw him as someone who, at best – could be that starter, you know, instead of a Quincy Pondexter, or instead of a Mike Miller closing games off or four. So you'd have Conley, Allen, Randolph, and Marcus Gasol. Then 
that in that locker room with those guys, Ronnie Wood wouldn't have had to have been a stone at any point in any way, shape, or form. You never would have had to develop that perspective of him. All he would have to do is be a wing who could defend multiple positions, who could create as a secondary facilitator to get Mike Conley off the ball more. You know, in later years, we've figured out that Mike Conley was a damn good scorer. If you got him off the ball and you let him run off screens, and he, he could score the basketball and butt for you. Imagine if we could have figured that out sooner. You know, Tony Allen wasn't a facilitator of offense. Neither was Quincy Pondexter, Mike Miller. You know, go up and down the list. Those guys weren't uh, creators on and off the dribble. Rodney Hood was, especially early in his NBA career. You put him with that starting group of Grizzlies, I think it improves their ceiling. I don't think it makes them a title contender, but I do think it makes their playoff runs outside of the Western Conference Finals more successful, whether it's by a game or whatever, because they have that threat that they never really had of someone who can do a little bit of everything. Quincy Pondexter was a spot-up shooter. Mike Miller was a spot-up shooter. Vince Carter was old you know, five years ago, much less how old he is now. Uh, Rodney Hood would have been a nice fit in that spot. So they obviously had hopes for Jordan Adams. It didn't work out. But again, even taking the knee injury aspect out of it, Rodney Hood should have been the choice because of his frame, because of his skill set, the way that he was able to create at six foot eight and have that positional versatility that we talked about. He would have been a major addition and he could have helped Mike Conley a lot. I think that's something that's not discussed as much in terms of helping Mike be more of a scoring threat. So you didn't have to depend so much on Zach in the post when things got tough. Mm-hmm. Right. And we meant, you mentioned this earlier in the show. I took a look at some of the guys that were drafted after Ronnie Hood. And you had Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento Kings, Kyle Anderson, Joe Harris, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And then further down the list, you had Nikola Jokic. Should there be more outrage towards certain guys? I mean, I remember there was a nice little Kyle Anderson hive here in Memphis around the 2014 draft. I know. I think Peter Edmondson was like the head of the train there, him and Chip Williams. They were big Kyle Anderson guys. Yeah, I think Kyle Anderson would have been a fine choice. I remember when that happened uh, and Kyle Anderson fell to the Spurs, everybody said, oh, great, the Spurs get another good player in Kyle Anderson. And I would have preferred Kyle Anderson to Jordan Anderson. I would have rather had uh, – Rodney Hood, he still would have been my one seed, but I would have preferred Kyle Anderson. I definitely would have preferred Joe Harris. I'm a big Joe Harris fan. I'm a UVA basketball fan, uh, for those that don't know. So, uh, back then, I was a big fan of Joe Harris and what he was at UVA, and, and I thought he'd be a great fan for Grizzlies in terms of his ability to shoot the three, and I thought he was undersold as a defender coming from UVA and Tony Bennett's system. I thought he could defend at the NBA level, and that's kind of uh, carried itself out. Uh, in his NBA career. I don't think it's fair to crush them for Clint Capella or for Nikola Jokic. Obviously, that's the big one from that draft. But, you know, obviously there are a ton of other teams that passed on those guys. Plus, the Grizzlies didn't have a need there. You know, it's one thing to say they should have had uh, Nikola Jokic as a higher prospect and you just take him behind Gasol and you develop him. I guess you can make that argument. But again, when you're picking in the 20s in an NBA draft, you shouldn't be thinking about how this guy is going to help me four or five years from now. You're trying to contend for an NBA championship, and that's what Memphis was doing. And, and they just swung and missed on Jordan Adams. You know, I, I think Rodney Hood would have been a better option. I think Kyle Anderson would have been a better option. I think Joe Harris would have been a better option. Those are three guys off the top 
that should have been Grizzlies instead of Jordan Adams. And that's even before, as I mentioned before, that's even before the injury concerns because of what those three guys in terms of their frames, their skill sets, what they could have done on that roster as compared to Jordan Adams. You know, I just think that they've missed on those three perimeter players in particular. And Spencer Dinwiddie can be an honorable mention. Like I said, he's a bigger lead guard. Uh, but I, I would really say I would have gone Rodney Hood, Joe Harris, Kyle Anderson, probably in that order instead of Jordan Adams. And I, I do think they should get some grace when it comes to a, a Capella or a Jokic because that, that just wasn't – those guys aren't coming into Memphis and making the Grizzlies title contenders. The two best players on the team at that time, you could argue, were Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph. Neither of them are going to get major playing time, whereas a Rodney Hood, in theory, a Jordan Adams, a Harris – or an Anderson probably would have played a decent bit considering you were depending so much on, like we talked about earlier, uh, Quincy Pondexter and Mike Miller, Courtney Lee, you know, not to be disrespectful to those guys, but there's a reason why the ceiling was where it was for that iteration of the Grizzlies. They just didn't have enough wing scoring to get them through. And, and the three, especially Harris or hood uh, probably would have helped more in that area. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, when I did the, the research, just trying to remember who went after Ronnie hood, I think more and more you talk about it, it just pisses me off that they passed on Joe Harris because all these years they're like, man, the Grizzlies need a shooter. The Grizzlies need a shooter. And then Joe Harris has been like one of the best well, three point shooters in the past draft, like three wasn't years. It? Wasn't yes, that the year that they it was. Stokes too? It was, yeah. And actually, and I, that I was. I don't exactly the picks. Harris was either before or after uh, Stokes. He was before. And yeah. He was before? Okay. Yeah. So. With that in mind, um, in theory, if you could have traded rights to get John L. Stokes or to get the pick to get John L. Stokes, you probably could have done the same thing for Joe Harris, depending on the situation, and maybe you add another second-round pick. I doubt they were so in love with Joe Harris that they weren't willing to, to listen to offers. So, you know, it, it just comes down to what you're prioritizing. What are, what are you looking for in your organization? And, and that just seemed pretty broken. And, and that's been beaten to death. And I know the point of this series is to look back on the history of the team and you know, everybody's talked about how poorly they drafted there. This year is an underrated example, in my opinion, because people don't want to crush Jordan Adams because he had the health issues. And I think that's fair, like I said before, but he never should have been picked to begin with. You know, you know who Jordan Adams should have been? Jordan Adams should have gone number 30 overall to the Spurs. And maybe he's still playing and he's new Bonnie Ginobili because he goes to the Spurs instead of the Grizzlies organization. But to me, Adams, that was a reach at that pick to take Jordan Adams back and try to get him in the late first early second round. Maybe then it makes more sense, but I thought it was a reach to take him where they took him. And, and I believe that, you know, Hood and Harris, you know, Anderson were taken after Jordan Adams. I do think that was evidence and evaluating talent and figuring out how to get guys around the court form. And it was almost with this particular draft, like they had too many chefs in the kitchen and people trying to get their fingerprints on the organization. They should have just had one unified vision of, okay, we have this core four, you know, we had some thoughts into it. Some of it was luck that we fell into this. We have a title contender in a unique way that the city is falling in love with. What piece uh, gets us closer to being a competitive team against Clippers and all these other groups that are going to be uh, fighting us for these second and third round burners in the playoffs. And, and Rodney Hood 
Joe Harris, that those just would have been better options at this stage. And, and they just swung and missed, you know, kind of plain and simple, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so I know I didn't really prepare you for this part, so I'm kind of throwing you a curveball here. But I remember, I want to say it was 27, like late 20. It was around the time where Mike Conley had gotten hurt. The Grizzlies were kind of spiraling. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. Back low, just calm about like the Grizzlies' identity and how, like Chris Wallace is saying, like, oh, we're not going to do anything yet. We're not going to move away from Mark and Mike. But Zach Lowe was kind of challenging it. And he kind of like went through like all these moves that the Grizzlies like or these thoughts that the Grizzlies had that just ended, like I ended up finishing that piece that he did. Phenomenal, by the way. I'll send it to you when we're done. But there are so many tidbits in there and you're like, are you kidding me? I could have gone my whole life without knowing this. And this was one right. of them. Quote, they thought hard about selecting Nikola Jokic, sources say, but felt 35 was too high. Yeah, I mean, that's another good example. You, you went John instead of Jokic. Maybe, maybe that's where you crushed them. Um, I think that's true. And, and there's all sorts. Of, I think I remember that story uh, from Lowe. But there's just so many things that they, that they struggled with in terms of the organization, the way that it was built up. And, and there was overturn and obviously ownership issues. And there were all sorts of storylines that kind of intertwined with the grit and grind years. Uh, of higher ups, you know, the transition of ownership. I do, I do think that it would be an interesting thirty for thirty if somebody ever got around to making it someday. Uh, but I, I think the thing that I take from that era more than anything is and I talk about it a lot. You know, whether it's with you, Parker, on GVB Live or on the site in general, or you know, on social media. One of my biggest takeaways from Grit and Grind, and the reason that I still do what I do. Now, I've lived in Memphis for six years, but, and I've been running the site now for four. The reason I'm still passionate about the Memphis Grizzlies is how real and organic I was. I have never experienced anything like it in professional sports, and my whole life is sports. Like my professional life, I'm a coach. I my, Literally, my whole life is centered around athletics, and I have never in my life experienced something like what grit and grind was at its peak. And I'm very fortunate and blessed to have lived in the city during that peak time in the Western conference finals and being able to go to a Western conference finals game and covering the series. Uh, it was real, you know, it was organic. Nothing was forced. It, it wasn't fake. It wasn't, you know, a marketing strategy. It just happened. And that is the absolute best in sports when you, you can feel it and it's not fake. And, you know, folks that are listening to this and didn't live it, you know, they might be saying, oh, that, that's just BS. You know, that, that's not true. People, if you were in the city, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like that emotion was real. The, the love that the city had for the team and, and the team legitimately had for the city was real. I mean, look at how people react to Zach and Tony coming back now. You know, years later, it's almost, uh, it seems like years later at least. And the love and the support that they have uh, as being part of the organization. So I think that with that, the fact that it happened so organically, and to be honest with you, randomly in a way, you kind of gloss over even more than we should just how inept that front office was in a lot of stages. Like if they just make one decision differently, if they just do one trade differently, if they make one draft pick better, 
the Grizzlies literally could have been a championship team. But at the same time, if you make that pick differently or if you trade Rudy Gay for a different package or you it's it's almost like a catch twenty two because you wonder just how much it would have messed with the chemistry that was established again, essentially randomly, uh, through the core four. So I do believe that, you know, in, in a smaller case like this, and it, it still bothers me, but it is smaller. You know, Rodney Hood, like I said, isn't isn't the chosen one. He wasn't going to win a championship for the Grizzlies. Joe Harris wasn't going to win a championship for the Grizzlies. But it's just one small chip at, or a swing pinata, so to speak, of the combustible elements that was that front office. If they had any level of comprehension as to what they were trying to do, anywhere near what Zach Kleiman and company now are doing, I honestly believe that the Grizzlies would have at least made another Western Conference Finals. Maybe that year that Mike broke his face, uh, TA was hurt. You know, maybe they, if you have a benefit in terms of depth, and you have one more guy that maybe could have kept them afloat a little bit longer while those guys get healthy. Um, maybe you're looking at another Western Conference Finals run. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, and that's what's most you know frustrating and more and most you know endearing about that time is you have a group that came together organically and made it extra special, but they also were limited by the fact that they had to come together on in their own way because they didn't have the support they needed to get them past the finish line. Right. And also like you had, you had kind of compared the past front office that made this 2014 draft and this current resume right now. I think one of the things that eases my pain, especially from my past moves and like really a lot of the stuff that I'm writing this series about is that in the end, the Grizzlies, they didn't put themselves in a position where they hung on. They hung on long, but not too long because they could have been like the Atlanta Hawks and they could have just let Mark write out free agency last year and have him opt to have the player option or having to have Mike Conley and his 30 plus million after, I mean, this season he's kind of showed signs of aging a little bit. They could have just lost every piece of the core four for nothing. Similar to that Atlanta Hawks team that they lost. I want to say they lost Corver, Teague, Millsap, Horford, and uh, Carroll. They lost all those guys and only got back Torian Prince, Mike Dunleavy, and like two second round picks. And they let yeah. Millsap and Horford walk. The Grizzlies avoided that. So... Like you said, that's it's really cool that they did that. And that kind of eases my pain with all this. And it, kind of relating to that holding on too long question, if they would have just drafted Jokic instead of Stokes, because I still think Jokic would have been successful as a Grizzly because of the way the Grizzlies have always operated their offense around their big men and especially highlighting the playmaking ability of those big men. Do you think the Grizzlies could have pulled the plug on GNG or would have pull the plug on GNG quicker if they just would have drafted Jokic? I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting question. Um, because Marcus Allen's the best player on the team. So, so that's my issue at, at that stage. By 2015, 2014, Marcus Allen's the best player on the team. I think you could argue Zach was still better than Mike. Uh, but, you know, Mark had already won his defensive player of the year. He was pretty well established. 
as that best player on the roster. I I have an issue seeing him, Jokic being that guy in Memphis. I just don't see it as cleanly as he was in Denver. And you have to keep that in mind. Whenever a guy is drafted, a lot of times it's just as much to fit with the team as it is to fit with the player. Like, would Tim Duncan have been Tim Duncan if he didn't play for Greg Popovich? Would, you know, Kobe Bryant, everybody only sees Kobe Bryant as a Laker, but he wasn't initially a Laker, right? I believe he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, and then a trade occurred that brought him to L.A. So how would Kobe Bryant's career have been different if he had never been traded or if he had gone somewhere else? A lot of times it's fit. And I, I don't see the fit with the Grizzlies in terms of Jokic. Uh, I guess it could have worked. Maybe they trade Zach Randolph earlier. I don't know how that would have played out in Memphis, Tennessee, but I think that maybe that's possible. Or I, I just struggle with seeing them pulling the plug on Mark and Jokic being as good as he is now. And he is tremendous. Make no mistake about it. Uh, he's easily a top three or so center in the NBA. Uh, I don't see him becoming that with the Grizzlies because of what they were when he was available via the draft. So the the fact that he was not selected by the Grizzlies, I have less of an issue with than say, you know, Rodney Hood or Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie or or all those guys that we talked about on the show, you know, being select not being selected and Jordan Adams being the pick. Because a lot of times it comes down to fit. I don't think Jordan Adams was a good fit. Uh, it sounds silly to say in hindsight but I'm not positive Jokic would have been a fit even in that Jarnell Stokes situation. Say you didn't want to take him at 22 or 23, whatever. Okay, fine. You know, you have Jarnell Stokes instead of Nikola Jokic. I'm not saying Stokes is a good fit either because I don't think he was, but it's still more understandable, at least to me, that you would look at Jokic and say, we're not sure this guy is going to be able to fit given what we're trying to do. And, you know, I, I guess the frustration then becomes okay if you do if you would have taken Jokic well who do you move on from do you move on from Mark or Zach and there's not really a good answer there depending on what your perception of grit and grind is uh, I guess most folks would say Mark but Mark was the best player on the team at that stage and Zach obviously was much older than Mark so Zach would have made more sense well now you're pissing off the fan base trading away arguably the greatest Grizzly of all time probably the greatest Grizzly of all time uh, so that Nikola Jokic should play alongside Mark Saul. You have no idea if that's going to work. There's lots of layers that would have gone into that. To me, the, the wing question is a lot easier to solve and answer than, you know, should they have taken Jokic instead of Stokes. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, Joe, if we had, if we had more time, I would go deeper with this because I'm a huge Jokic guy. What can I say? I mean... I have an infatuation f- for guys that are good playmakers. It, at, and I want to make it clear. I think you could easily argue that they should have taken Jokic instead of Stokes. That's not my point. My point is I don't think Nikola Jokic becomes Nikola Jokic in Memphis the same way that he does in Denver, if that makes sense. That's my overall point on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that for sure. And who knows? I mean, he did take a gap year between getting drafted and going to the league. So maybe he could have just had more of a grooming session, I guess, instead of just getting thrown in. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. And so, but we are running out of time here, Joe. And do you have any final thoughts before we close? 
well, like I said at the, at the outset, you know, I'm proud of you and the work that you guys have done uh, with the Core 4. You know, this podcast is growing a real good bit in the short time that you guys have run it. And Sean and Justin with 3 and D. And, you know, I had this dream and vision for Beyond GVB Live having a podcast network. And I think we're pretty close to that, if not already there. And that means a lot to me that we've really expanded our uh, media outreach as a, as a blog. We don't just write anymore. We have pretty consistent flows of podcasts that do pretty well uh, in terms of overall downloads and things like that. So I think we're continuing to evolve our site, and I'm excited to have folks like you all along for the ride with me. Uh, I love this series. I enjoy listening to them. I loved the show you did with Zane. I thought I, I got a kick out of that. And, I look forward to seeing who else comes on with you to talk about these topics. And, and I appreciate the time to talk about Rodney Hood. And, and hopefully maybe down the road, if I'm, if I'm able, maybe we can do a Jeff Green one. That might, that might hurt too much. Uh, but maybe you can have me on for a special Jeff Green episode in the future. You know what, Joe? I'm going to hold you to that. Well, I'm going to get you booked <laughs> for that one. All right? That's going to be cathartic. a fun one. It'll be cathartic for me. I can let it all out. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and uh joe go ahead and plug your stuff tell the people where they can find you sure uh my personal account is at joe molinax uh, obviously i'm the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com we have a, a lot of folks to do tremendous work over there on a near daily basis uh, it used to be daily basis and, and i think it's okay that it's near daily at this stage with the nba suspension but once things get back to normal uh as normal as they can get uh, we'll be back to a full slate daily uh, covering the Grizzlies and the entire organization. We have uh, Brandon Abraham that does an awesome job with Memphis Hustle and, you know, other folks that cover all sorts of different aspects of the Grizzlies. So check out the blog at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we have an Instagram I know that Perker does, uh, does a lot of work with. So uh, check us out there. Check me out at GVB Live as well I, on all podcasts. Parker helps me with GVB Live. We'll be coming back and doing a show uh, either this week or next, um, getting back into the swing of things with that. So uh, it, it's not normal right now. Hopefully it will get back to some semblance of normal in the future, but uh, folks can rest assured that GBB will, will continue to be around and, and putting out content for folks to try to take their mind off of what's going on around here. And this podcast is doing that. That's doing it for me, and I appreciate your work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Joe. And you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading the GBB Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcast. With that, that's it.